0: Like when I was making the text effects, because I kind of rekindled my passion before I'd gotten to the variable font stage, that just kept it going. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling
1: Hello everyone, welcome back to Design Huddle, uh, the podcast where two internet friends talk tech and design and everything in between. This week, again, Ryan is out because of time zones, Um, but we have an amazing guest whose work I've been watching for quite a number of years and also cited in my own articles. Um, She's a front-end developer, previously a front-end developer manager at a news organization in Seven West Media, that seems like in Western Australia, that seems like a uh, (laughs) a, a tongue-tied twister and now currently works as a senior software engineer at higher up. Uh, she speaks at events both internationally and locally, obviously now everyone's at home, uh, so not so much of that. and working on um, experiment with new and old technology. So welcome, Mandy. Mandy Michael I've been calling you Mandy Michaels I don't know why I've been adding an S to your name (laughs)
0: Uh, Hello Uh, thank you for having me yes everybody calls me Mandy Michaels and I like to tell people that there's only one of me so we don't need the S on the end Um, but you're not the first (laughs) it's totally fine where is
1: that where is that coming from I don't know it's like Michael I don't know is there like a famous person
0: no I think it's because Michael is a first name and so people automatically try and make it into a last name by putting the S on the end because it confuses uh, them.
1: I think that's or, orda- where it comes from. Ordaining ordaining the surname. Um, yeah. So you're based in Australia, obviously, by the sound of your accent.
0: Uh-huh, yeah, I am. I'm in Western Australia though. So like when people think of Australia, they think of Sydney. I am on the opposite, like directly opposite it on the West Coast, which is like a five hour plane ride. So it's, yeah, the- it's like isolation and everything
1: okay but your your time zone is much closer to say europe and america though right yeah yeah
0: so uh we are this yes europe um britain we're all in the same ish zone um to to the east coast east coast is like two hours ahead of us right now so uh, the one thing
1: which i remember when visiting australia went to sydney is um people telling me to be careful because everything's trying to kill you, number one, like animals wise. Number yeah. two, Australians are really sarcastic and encouraging that everything's trying to kill you as well. Like I've seen where you say, oh, apparently there's this mythical beast that is exists in trees and it will jump down and attack you. And all Australians will go into like, yeah, 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 that, that, that thing does exist without yeah, like... Drop bear. Yeah. Yeah. Drop bear. yeah.
0: You got to be careful. They're, they're
1: pretty dangerous. <laughs> so just to get into it. Um, how, how have, you, what you, what have you been working on these days? I mean, how, how, you, how have you been? How, how have you been dealing with creating stuff during lockdown?
0: Uh, look, I'm going to be totally honest and just share firstly that because I live in Perth, we haven't really had a, a proper lockdown.
1: Um, oh, congratulations.
0: Yeah. 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 We're pre- we've been super lucky. So at the beginning of COVID, we were locked down for like maybe a few months um so but by like june last year we were pretty much back to normal in in the west coast of australia um we don't really even have to wear masks or anything when we go out oh, wow. um just occasionally like we'll have one case of community transmission and then we get locked down for five days and you have to wear masks out but you can still go to the shop and stuff
1: so, so in it's... terms of work impact hasn't been as severe other parts of the world? Yeah,
0: not really. Um, we haven't really been impacted that badly in that regard. Um, at the beginning, sure, it was kind of the same as, as everywhere else and, you know, some people lost jobs and stuff, but um, we've been pretty okay since about June last year. Um, this year we've had a couple of um, little short lockdowns, but, like, it's nothing in compared to what everyone else suffered. So yeah. it's not like not really impacted me a a whole great deal uh, if i'm being (laughs) totally honest um but
1: congratulations
0: (laughs) yeah yeah but i mean you can't help but uh obviously be aware of how it is for everyone else and worried about how your friends and your family elsewhere are going so you still get affected i guess in that way um but uh, i i sort of taken a tiny bit of a break from from doing stuff um since covid started last year i sort of uh I, I was doing like a whole bunch of stuff with variable fonts and um you know my text effects which is my my side hobby um i've done we'll a little bit
1: that.
0: yeah yeah i done a little bit of that here and there i am actually working on a project at the moment um but i'm nowhere near finished yet um oh, i guess i can tell you about it do you want to know about
1: it yeah no, i think we'll go into some of that i just wanted to um uh give more of an introduction because most of our audience is very graphic design background and and so one of the reasons why i really wanted you on the show is you're one of those really unique um individuals who's a create what i would describe as a creative coder i know that sounds very (laughs) it sounds very i don't know um i'm not sure what the correct term is but uh yeah like my brain's completely fried because I gave a talk last night. Um, but it sounds very silly. But and actually, this is a genuine thing that you're a creative coder. Um, and we'll go into some of the typography experiments. And also, if you can help us explain what variable typography in a sec. But I want I what's curious is, is your background purely engineering? Or do you have, like... Because from the work that I've seen of yours, it, it's very artistic. So do you have an artistic, like, not an artistic background, but an artsy background in terms of university?
0: Uh, yeah. Um yes i do have an artsy background not like professionally or anything but like i always loved art i like making physical things so like i always liked sculpture and textiles and okay and that kind of stuff so like i make costume props i have this great um you know Ma- the maleficent movie with angelina jolie how yeah. she played maleficent i made her staff so uh-huh. it, cause I, I do a bit of cosplay on occasion. Um, and it, <laughs> you can control it with a phone to change the colors and stuff. It's like Bluetooth okay, LEDs that's next level. and stuff. Yeah. Like, so I like, I like physically making stuff. So I always did a lot of that. Um, like, you know, in high school and, and stuff, but, um, I actually studied multimedia, which was like, um, back in the day before, like it's, is whatever it's called now. It was like, yeah. CD-ROM design and
1: yeah.
0: um, you know graphic design and photography, like digital photography and and did movie you did you
1: learn stuff. how to use Director by any chance? Yes, director and flash. I did. Yeah, okay,
0: like <laughs> <laughs> actually, um, I I was the last class to learn director before it got replaced with flash
1: okay which, yeah, same there pretty much
0: which also is now not a thing yeah so yeah i i i did um i did a lot of uh because i like i was obsessive Backstreet boy fan i used to make Backstreet boy fan sites so then i learned how to use photoshop and stuff so i could make you know pictures for my Backstreet Boy fan site um so i did a lot of uh digital Digital photography and photoshopping and graphics and stuff. Um, so I guess in a way, I would say that I'm artsy, um, but I don't really do much outside. M- most of the stuff I do is always like got a little bit of a digital aspect, you know.
1: Um, yeah. So, were w- you in the era of like um, hacking MySpace pages as well? Then
0: um, I never had a MySpace page. Uh, oh, well. So I because <laughs> I was I was too busy on my Backstreet Boy fan sites to have a MySpace page um but i did hack my sister's myspace page for her because she wanted <laughs> things she wanted Care Bear gif um i don't know why i remember this but she was like can you make it so there is this carebear gif on my myspace page and i went yeah sure i can totally do that um but yeah no. do you I still use hack-
1: those techniques today then
0: <laughs> uh <laughs> I have actually used a GIF as a background <laughs> image for a thing I'm working on at the moment. I was going to say no, but that would be a lie. Um, not frequently, though. <laughs> the code's changed a little bit since then.
1: Yeah, but isn't that... I mean, I've always found that amazing because I very similar background. Study graphic design, multimedia, sort of link tag. You know, this the, the cliche. Um, but it's still funny how some of those things, those experimental moments you still use even if it's just a logical figuring something out which i always find so um have you considered putting care bag animated gifs on your portfolio site just as uh, a
0: <laughs> oh i mm, i well, i I'd have no to explanation you... just like <laughs> yes would be my answer to that then no explanation no context i have considered it um but I'm, i was always more into a starry background you know the classic 90s animated gif background the stars like
1: G- Cities with this sort of...
0: yeah i mean Geo Cities, where i hosted my backstory boy fan site so yeah i was always a bit of a geocities girl myself
1: so how did you get into the actual coding side? i mean was that did you do like university um or was it just pure from multimedia
0: into um, the industry well no it was yeah. So when I went to uni, I did multimedia and there was like coding aspects in it. Actually, funnily enough, I distinctly remember doing a web course and saying, I will never be a web developer. <laughs> that did not end the way I expected. Um, but while I was doing multimedia, I also did a Bachelor of Science in information systems, which was kind of like databases and a bit of computer science and stuff. Um So that's how I kind of learned other coding, I guess, aside from web stuff. Um, but I actually didn't get into development right after uni. I, um, I became a online comms manager for a PR agency. So for public relations. So I did a lot of like online communications. So it was like really early social media, but Mm. like I managed a lot of digital projects for them. And then I became a digital project manager for an advertising agency, um, and it was about, so I, I kind of managed digital stuff online for about seven years before I became a front end developer full time. Um, because I hated being a project manager. It's like the hardest job in the world from my perspective. Um, and I preferred building websites. So then I yeah. switched over. So it, it took me a little while after, um, you need to actually become, I guess, a developer, um,
1: yeah. but yeah, most the transition.
0: Uh, oh, so easy. Um, I like people. Yeah, yeah. So I was already doing a lot of front end work because our, the team I was in at the time was quite small. There was me, um, a designer, a back-end developer, and a front end developer. And there wasn't, an, um, there was so much work that uh, I would help out the front end developer to get all the code done because you know I knew how to build websites. Um, already. So I would help out. So I did a lot of work and I found that the only time I was happy at work was when I was doing that, which wasn't actually my job. So I asked to, when our front end developer was leaving, I asked if I could have his job. Um, And it was super easy. I had like a six month transition period where I still had to do some project management, but Mm. um, then I was full-time front end and it was like, it was so easy for me to switch into that and because I was you know, much happier and I was having a good time. So I actually didn't find it difficult at all.
1: Well, can I ask what year roughly was the track was that transition?
0: Oh, uh, gosh.
1: Uh... The reason why I asked the year is because that gives me an idea because I studied graphic design and tried to basically rip my hair out for about 10 years trying to figure out how to align stuff with CSS or even just like table layers. So I'm trying to think, okay, when was that? Because it couldn't have been two thousand and four, because that's when I hated myself because I was no, just banging my head against No, my- <laughs> it, it wasn't two
0: thousand and four. Um it it was I was still supporting IE6 on some projects. Oh, okay. Um
1: 2010 then?
0: Yeah, it was around 2010, 2011 maybe. <clears throat> we were okay, like just yeah. phasing it out. So yeah, yeah, it yeah. was um I'd only done I'd been doing table layouts in like side projects, yeah. but I think uh, from a work perspective, we started to move away from them. So like, you still didn't have custom fonts unless you use something like Cipher or Coupon. Um, yeah, but, the
1: embedding technique. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: the embedding techniques. Um, there was, you couldn't use PNGs in some things because there was still older browser support, but it's it quickly, like, I don't know how many people realize how quickly it shifted from all of that yeah. stuff and how fast the web in that respect has developed. Like it's, well, it must be what, five, maybe like eight or 10 years or something. Like that's, that's yeah. pretty quick. I, I think, um, yeah. for that, that stuff to, to, I guess, come into existence and disappear.
1: Yeah. Um, just for those who are actually on the YouTube channel, you've got a dog on your head. Oh, yes. so, so, so could you explain the dog on your head, um, I was going to do like it, a weird transition.
0: It's a, um, it's a Snapchat filter, which I just think is cute because I like dogs. Um, and I came across this one the other day and it's currently my favorite. Uh, that's There's no like great um, explanation other than I think it's cute. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was trying out the Snapchat because basically the Snapchat filter, which you uh, in the, in whatever software you're using, that becomes the camera that you choose, right? That's right. Yeah. I, I tried. I tried using. I end up always picking like Mortal Kombat character type things of my oh, yeah, eyes yeah. And, yeah. on fire. But then you're having to try and have a serious meeting with a manager and it's like, yeah, I'm not really happy with that. And you got f- fire coming out of your eyes. Um. So moving. Okay. So that was a a segue, an an ad segue. It was um,
0: great.
1: <laughs> moving back. Um. So where I first discovered your work was some of the typography things that you're doing and variable type, uh, variable typography. Mm-hmm. Um, could you explain what variable fonts are or variable typography in a yes if it's even possible to explain
0: Yeah no it is um, so variable variable fonts are like you know how you have fonts at the moment and you have like a bold font and a regular and maybe um, a semi bold or a black or something like that and they're all like individual files. Um, a variable font basically combines all of those into one file. Um, but what it does in addition, which is what I love about them, is that it interpolates between the values. So like when when you would represent a font weight in, in code, you'd go 400 for regular, um, 700 for bold, 900 for black. Um, you can with a variable font have 400, 700, and 900 all in the same file, but you, because it interpolates between the values, you also get like 401, 402, all the way up to 900. So you can get like that perfect weight for whatever you're designing, or you can have a few extra ones in between. Um, So I think the way it's being described best to me is that it's one font file that acts like many font files. Yeah. Um, And so as a result of that, people who are good at making fonts. Um, So font foundries and stuff have started making a whole bunch of really cool stuff. So you can get a font that has um, all different weights in it. It can also have um, like width. So, uh, you know, a a narrow version, uh, like condensed font or really wide. And you can have that, um, you can animate those or, or transition between the weight, the width as well, or you can go from, Uh, italic to not italic um there's also uh uh you know optical sizing if you're if you're a font um nerd and like that stuff um or my favorite part of it because i like to make the text effects and stuff is people make like effects in the fonts so like there's one that kind of looks like a slinky you know the the toy the yeah. slinky um, where it's like, looks like normal letters, but then what the axis allows it to sort of stretch out and it, it creates that like repetitive effect of the, the letters um, leaving, I guess, kind of like an after image behind or yeah. there's one that drips, um, which I think is really cool. Um, so I, I feel like variable fonts have allowed people to make some really um, cool creative things that can also be animated. Um, yeah. I, I don't know, that's like a really short, not detailed explanation of variable fonts. Obviously, no, there's no, that's great. a lot more to it, but um, they're super cool. I really like them. Lots of benefits so, to them.
1: So from a sort of designer's perspective, I'm trying to learn how to speak again. From a designer's perspective, uh, you've got like, say you open up Illustrator or Photoshop, and um, you've got your bold, your italic, and your placement alignment. And maybe there's like some things which Adobe will allow you to make a typeface, which isn't a t- true italic, slightly italic variable fonts is almost like an extra layer of granularity of being able to edit the the feeling of the font from the thinness of the strokes depending on what the typographer has done
0: yeah totally um that's exactly what it is and what i think is really nice about that is because the typographer has um like made the font to account for that so they can see the interpolation so sometimes they'll like create a new um instance in it to tweak the how it looks at each point um, so i guess there's like a lot more care given at those interim states than maybe there, there previously would have been um, yeah. but but yeah you you do get that granularity um which you kind of would see a lot more in print design um because yeah. you know like you would have lots of different font weights in print design but on the web there's always been this thing that like you've got to limit it because of performance um variable fonts typically in my experience, um, are equivalent to having like a bold and a regular on your site, but you have way more than just a bold and a regular, right? You've got all of that in between. So I think it allows you to be, um, more, uh, considered in how you apply your typography than you were able to before because of restrictions, like byte performance and file size, uh, which I like. Because I think it's important to convey tone and stuff in that way.
1: So, I mean, it's <clears throat> a lot of times on the web, the reasons for us changing the way that we design and do things have always been quite technical. So it's like mm-hmm. losing Flash was because it was inaccessible and proprietary and all that. Well, this feels like this is the first time tech has evolved where the advantages are not just for technical performance, but an actual creative thing, which you've actually explored yourself in, in yes. some of your creative typography projects.
0: Yes, I absolutely agree. I think um, when I talk about variable fonts, one of the things I talk about is how we uh, typically, like you say, with technology, we're always making trade-offs. It's like, you can do this cool thing, but you'll lose this thing over here. Um, Whereas I feel like with variable fonts, um, there aren't that many negative trade-offs. Sometimes depending on the, like, you know, Every font file varies. Sometimes it might be a little bit um, bigger file size, but usually if you add up all of the fonts, weights that you would use, it's still better off. Um, But yeah, you get get a lot more variation and a lot more opportunity with a variable font typically than you would with a standard font, but you also gain performance benefits because, you know, you can... um, have one font that encompasses everything, rather than you know five different fonts uh, with all the weights that you would want to use that are like five times the size. Um, mm. I mean, obviously, it you have to check because it's not always the case. But um, there are a lot of technical upsides, and there are a lot of creative upsides to variable fonts. Um, at least in my experience, I'm actually just doing an experiment with font at work today. Um, and the variable font is 68 kilobytes um, compressed and subset um, to Latin characters only. It has, like, so much stuff in it, so we had to cut some out. Um, yeah. But the single weight, so, like, bold was uh, – how much did I say? It was 68. It's, like, 58 yeah. for the single weight. So for um, one weight, you get it's 58 kilobytes. For the variable font with all of them, it's 68. So for the extra 10 kilobytes, you get – all these options, um, and if you were to have bold and regular, that's like double the size almost. So the technical benefits are use the variable font. Um, so yes, it is one. That's one of the reasons that I like it. It's one of the few new tech um, creations, I guess. I don't know how to describe it that lets you have benefits in both directions, uh, which so, is cool.
1: Yeah. So uh, moving from that is your typography experiments, which. I suppose for so folks who, um, as a point of reference, and we will link to it in, in the show notes and whatnot, um, it's kind of like Photoshop filters. Oh, I just heard dog barking. <laughs>
0: no, that's Jello, my dog.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Jello. Um, so uh, there, it's almost like Photoshop filters, which I think for like designers, you might not realize that. Okay, that's really cool, but. <laughs> The, the interesting thing is this is like Photoshop filters on typefaces that can be edited on the fly. And so you only design the 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 effect and then anybody can actually use it thereafter. So how did you get into creating those things?
0: Oh, that's a bit of a sad story. Um, okay. <laughs> so I was really burnt out um, a few years ago. I can't remember when I started making text effects. I was really burnt out and I was going to quit web development because um, oh. I'd, I'd had enough. I was tired and I didn't want to do it anymore. And my partner said to me that, oh, you know, why don't you just try doing something fun and, you know, trying to remember what it is that you liked about web development. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll do that. Um, so I started looking for Photoshop text effects and then I would find them and then I would remake them in CSS. That was my, my little side project hobby, like trying to make um, effects in Photoshop text effects in CSS without, you know, imagery or canvas or JavaScript. Um, so that's kind of how I started making them. It was actually looking for Photoshop things and trying to redo it. Um, and then that kind of just extended out into variable fonts as well. Because I was like, oh, I could make some really cool stuff with variable fonts. Um, but what I wanted to do was show people that... Uh, you didn't need JavaScript, you didn't need Canvas or SVG to do some of this stuff. We, you could make really cool text like you would see in print um, in CSS with real text that's accessible um, for you know assistive technology and that could be edited easily. So you know if you were putting content in a, a content management system, it would still work if that text changed. So that was kind of what I was trying to do with it. Um, and then it just kind of became a fun little side hobby that I would do from time to time. And I made a whole collection of them on CodePen and stuff. Um, so could, it's you describe, how I
1: started. could you describe the first one and then the feeling you had after? Because uh, I'm interested in them because we've, we've spoken to people about mental health in particular, like in, on um, Design Huddle. So I'm just interested in that kind of. Like how did you, what did you create? And then how did you feel at the end of it?
0: (laughs) So I don't remember what the first one I made was. Um, There's
1: there's one that's green, the green grass one. That was the first,
0: that was the second variable font one that I made. um, The grass one. So I'll, I'll explain that one in a minute. The first text effect that I made that I remember being like, wow, how did I make this? there was a Photoshop text effect where the text looked like it was folded off the page. And I was like, I'm gonna see if I can make that in CSS. And I made it in CSS and I was like, this is so cool i can't believe i made this and later i went back and looked at and i went how did i do that um <laughs> so that one i'm quite fond of because uh i later figured out four different ways to make it which i thought was cool because it was the kind of thing that you would think you'd need a picture for like an image but yeah. it was editable text when you hovered it it would animate um and so that one i was like wow this is cool and that was the one that got me excited to make more um the grass one with the variable font i that was the second variable font one i made because i was doing a talk and i wanted to show people how cool variable fonts were because i felt like people didn't really appreciate how cool the technology was because all the demos at the time were like oh if you hover over this it can increase the weight like that was pretty much what you could find there was no like really cool demos So I thought I found this font called DecoVar, which was an experimental variable font at the time. And I was like playing around with it. And then one of them looked kind of like leaves. I was like, cool, uh, I know what I'm going to make. So I whipped out my (laughs) catalog of Photoshop text effects. um, And I picked the grass one, which I'd been trying to make for ages, but could never get right. Um, So it was a variable font that enabled that. And I remember when I made it, I, I finished it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And I turned my laptop to my my partner. And I was like, hey, check this out. And he's like, that's really great. And I was like, <laughs> you have no idea. This is so cool. Um, and like, I thought it was cool. And I was like, I'm happy with this. And then I tweeted it. And then lots of people thought it was really cool. And I was like, I was right. This is cool. I'm not the only one that thinks this is cool. So... Um, I was pretty happy with that because after that, a lot more people started like doing really cool and um, interesting things with variable fonts. And I think people became more interested in it. And I think also uh, that sort of rolled on to more um, typographers making more interesting things with variable fonts as well. Like they branched out from just weight and width, which I thought was, was nice. So
1: in terms of like how you like, is, isn't that a moment that you actually thought, actually, I, I rekindled your, your love for front end development? I mean, how, how was that? Because I'm interested in, sort of like, um, using art for... Maybe, I might be uh, dramatising this a bit much, just for but using um, art to help heal, like, mental health, like, an ap- ap- that creative thing. Because often you're stuck in a workplace um, and it just feels like you're just churning stuff in a factory. Where like, but then there's that moment where you rekindle mm-hmm. your passion for why you actually decided to do this in the first place.
0: Yeah I think um, like when I was making the text effects because I kind of rekindled my passion before I'd gotten to the variable font stage that just kept it going. Um, I think what felt nice was that I got to create something that I had made and that I was doing for me um, that I was proud of and uh, I think uh, the way I've, I was described to me, which really resonated, was that I'd made a body of work of text effects. Like, I hadn't yeah. just made one thing, I'd made a body of work that was examples of things that you could do. And as a result of that, I also learned a lot more in depth stuff about how CSS worked, um, yeah. which I then could use to make things easier in my day to day job. Like, I understood better how gradients work and how text shadow works and you know how I could layer things and like all these kind of little things that I understood but not at a deep level I now understood much more deeply because I was trying to be creative with it um so yeah it I think it definitely healed me making something I didn't have deadlines on it was just fun it didn't matter if they failed I have like hundreds of ones that didn't work out that are like private on my code pen that sometimes I go back to and finish later when I get a good idea. Um, But it it was nice because it was not like I wasn't required to do anything. I just did it because it was fun.
1: Creativity for creativity's sake.
0: Exactly. That's exactly it. And I think um, as, you know, a lot of developers and uh, are creative people as well. And, you know, same for designers. Sometimes I think we have to remember that we, you know, it's great to do something that you love but if you don't allow yourself to have a play sometimes that you're yeah. going to lose that love so make time to as you say be creative for creative sake and just have fun with it from time to time yeah do Do you find yeah. that
1: yeah no i mean there's there's been uh, I, my mind's gone completely blank but there was <laughs> Sorry. <a talk laughs> with, no no there was a talk that i saw recently which was from 10 years ago i believe it was a study that was done that was exploring the idea of innovation and how the argument that the, the scientist was giving that innovation and creativity cannot be planned. And mm. there, was, there was this visual experiment where uh, it's like a really archaic tool where it will have like four blobs and then you pick a blob and then you press randomize and then it will create four children based on that blob. And then you, it sounds really um, weird, but when they put it out to the world, what they found is people were generating these like bits of art just by saying, okay, that one kind of looks like a flower. Let me um, mutate that one. And then you see all the, these amazing things like Spider Man's face that people have gradually mutated. And what, he, what they're trying to demonstrate is that um, if you just try to randomly do that, you would never, or use machine learning to, you would never get to this kind of level of finding something and exploring. And it's, do some is there a case of the innovation happens in that moment of, I don't know what I'm really looking for, I'm just exploring? And so challenging the the notion of open planned offices, the way we develop software or whatever way we Mm -hmm. have got strategy, does that actually impede finding something that could be much more beneficial? That's why I find this. um, So yes, (laughs) to answer your question.
0: I totally agree. I think the things that I'm most well known for and the things that people have always found really interesting of my work and the things that i've always i guess grown as a developer and and you know i i don't consider myself a designer but um you know the design definitely are well i would (laughs) i would not identify as a designer but I, i i i do enough where i think i dabble in design um i'm a coder who loves design is how i'd put it Uh, I think the things that I've done best are the ones where I haven't been trying to make something, if that makes sense. I've been experimenting and exploring and then something amazing has come out of that. Like I was never trying to do something to share with people, um, or, you know, to show people cool stuff. I was just trying to find out what was cool about that particular thing. Um, and then I ended up with something which was, which was nice. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with you. Like,
1: have you ever considered collating all this into a book, like almost like a self help book for people who are stuck, but then you actually teach them to create variable variable typefaces. I'm giving uh, you business ideas.
0: Yeah. That's a cool (laughs) idea. Um, I have not, uh, but, um, I think like anyone I was like, oh, people don't need to know that. Like they, they, they know it already. I don't need to share that Mm.
1: with people. No, you'd be surprised. I mean, I think. Because again, it's that like we all think that, but no, you, you you realize, what I found when I started giving talks in the community and, and uh, mentoring folks is you realize how much you actually know. And mm. then it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like people actually, oh really? Oh wow. <laughs> so <laughs> moving on to that, I mean, how has the reaction from the community been, especially like the front end development community and design community?
0: With variable fonts?
1: With the your experiment stuff, the variable uh. font stuff that you've been doing?
0: Yeah, it's funny, right, because um, I, for a really long time, just thought what I was doing was not that great, Um, like that it was just a thing that I did because my local community, like, you know, I'm sure it's like this for a lot of people, but in your local community where it's like people that you worked with for a long time, like nobody thinks what you do is special, you know, (laughs) although it's really good. You're just like, Oh, that's just Mandy. She works at that place over there. Um, But then I went and did a talk uh, at Singapore CSS because um, oh, wow. I was over there for JSConf just to attend and um, I got asked to speak at Singapore CSS and I, I did a talk on my text effects and I'll never forget this this girl comes up to me afterwards she goes oh my god I'm such a big fan and I was like <laughs> of me and she goes yeah I'm such a big fan it's so great to meet you I like love all your co-pans I always check them out and I was like I have a fan <laughs> and it like yeah. really it really took me by surprise because um you know all of a sudden all these other people were like yeah I'm such a big fan I love your work and I just all of a sudden felt um I immediately felt self-conscious but also like really happy that some people had found my work on Code ben and like really liked it um
1: did I you have the I... sensation to phone up your family and just scream vindication? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: no, my um my partner was with me and I, I said to him afterwards I was like that I fence? And he goes, he goes, I know your work is really good. I'm so proud of you. Like he was really supportive and stuff. But I was like a little bit giddy for a while afterwards that some uh, some people had told me that they liked what I was doing. Like there's always a really nice feeling to have someone tell you that they like the stuff that you do. But it wasn't until I left Perth that I realized that people liked the stuff that I did. (laughs) Um, Because I guess it's not the same at home.
1: So when, uh, so I mean it reminds me a few years ago, so when I was like looking into variable typography and I was going to write an article, the first thing I going to do is interview some of the typographers. So David Burko, I believe his name is, who actually designed um, Decova or Decova, I can't pronounce that word. Deco- the well, I call
0: it Decova. I don't know if that's correct. Um, he's would, never we'll corrected go- me.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll go there. And so when I was, because I was just trying to, because at that point I was exploring um, typography and in the world of typography there seem to be these two camps where you had people who are very traditionalist type is to be read um and then you had the very um type could be like a form that you look at and so when i was talking about interviewing he goes uh, you know you should speak to mandy michael and i was like okay who's that and he goes oh let me show you and that's when i saw your grass technique and then he said like, i was like okay right now we're gonna go and then going down that path and then once i started exploring it and because variable typography and these experiments are hard to explain but when you show someone they get it immediately so then in the article that i wrote for um for google that's when i actually cited your work and that's i
0: I remember i I was very excited (laughs) (laughs) um it was very good that that um that particular variable font uh i think is probably one of the um things i'm most proud of because it was such a small thing to make but it i feel like Um, On reflection now, it's made such an impact because lots of people have said to me um, that it was the first uh, variable font, I guess, experiment they'd seen that made them realise they could do more than just, you know... Um, type is to be read uh, as you put it um yeah so i i do feel like i can quit web now uh, having made a contribution to uh the web platform in the form of inspiring people to make cool stuff with variable fonts (laughs) absolutely
1: your your name's added to the history the annuals yeah i feel
0: like that's enough of an accomplishment for me that some people felt like now they could do more that that feels that feels good
1: I think well I don't know maybe I'm, so for me it's either having a large follower account or a wikipedia page is like that's when i know i've made it oh like, that's me. <laughs> what's
0: what's, I, a lo- what's a large follower account though cuz i feel like i've i know it's not that many um in some people in comparison to some people on web but i feel like my follower account is large enough um that yeah, i could they- happily quit and feel like i've contributed to improving some people's web lives
1: it's definitely larger than mine um i don't, i mean again these things are all relative right yeah, yeah and, i mean and i think that although i admit that i i, be, I at one point was very obsessive of these things i think sometimes there's a degree of if too much might be unhealthy <laughs> I, um
0: i feel like if you have one person um come up to you and say hey that thing that you did really helped me that's enough for me um that one true. girl that came up and said she was my fan because she loved looking at my work um i wish i remember her name i remember her face perfectly i'll never forget um but I, for, I i can't for the life of me remember her name but but her she she changed she she was enough once she came up to me and said that 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 was enough for me um
1: that's excellent yeah. um so i mean just wrapping up uh, what are you what, what are the plans now are you working on anything new
0: i am working on something at the moment um i i haven't really talked about it because i didn't want to have like pressure to finish it but i i've been meaning to remake my website because i don't currently have a website as like many web developers um (laughs) i don't have time to make my own uh but while i was coming up with what i wanted to do for it i was like oh maybe i should just make a generator so that i can make what i want so i'm i'm presently working on a fan site generator oh nice so that my website can be a collection of fan sites of things that I love Um, and it is Geocities inspired Um, I mean (laughs) I'll have some non-90s themes I think but I want it to be like the true fan site experience but it's proven there's some things that I wanted to do that have proven a little bit difficult Um, because like, I want to, uh, include my text effects and those kinds of things. So figuring out how to make that in a generated way, um, has been, uh, super fun. Like I want, I want someone to be able to like use my fansite generator and have this really cool variable font effect, um, and it work for them in a number of scenarios. So I kind of feel like it's how we can create little individual pages of art for things that we love, um, the web is so full of things that we hate. I want things that we love. <laughs> yeah. Just a little, little page, little way to like share the, you know, like you love peanut butter sandwiches. Make a fan page for <laughs> peanut butter sandwiches. You know, like that's what I, I want to do. So that's what I'm working on at the moment. Um, so I'm excited I
1: already. I can't wait to see.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be super fun when, when I've got it all finished. Um, even if it's just for my fun, like I feel like that would be enough. But if one person uses it to make a fan site for peanut butter sandwiches, I'll be like super happy.
1: Then that would be your equivalent of a Wikipedia page.
0: <laughs> yeah, that exactly. That would be my equivalent of a Wikipedia page.
1: Okay. Well, again, thank you so much for spending your time with us. We appreciate it, especially um, time zone. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. Thank you to our listeners for checking this out. Uh, we'll add all of the links of Amanda's amazing work to the show notes. And yeah, thank you very much, Mandy. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of Design Huddle. The opinions expressed are solely our own and do not express the views or opinions of our employer.